good morning and welcome and Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Let's go. This entire season has been pointing to this one moment where we look at all these themes between love and joy and hope and faith and it all points to Christ. That's what this season is about. This season is about King Jesus coming into the darkness, which was our world, and bringing light and showing now for the first time what true hope is. And that's a hope we're going to look at today. But if you're anything like me, my guess is you're coming into this season a bit distracted, a bit busy. This has been a bit of a crazy week. I know at the Pacheco household, we've had three urgent care visits, uh, three ear infections, I think, maybe four. And a countless number of cough drops consumed, right? Uh, there's always one person in the family where once they get a cough, it persists for like a month. We have three of those people in our family, right? So that means little sleep, little, little going on other than trying to get through. To sum it up, this, I'll give you the snapshot of kind of my month here. A couple weeks ago, Melinda <clears throat> came into the office and she said, Brian, um, could you help me? And, and she doesn't often ask for my help. Uh, and so whenever she does, I, I take notice. And she's like, I picked up the kids. And when I picked up the kids, I didn't get their book bags. And I was like, okay, so they just forgot them in their class. She's like, no, I forgot them on the street. As I was putting the kids in, their book bags didn't make it in. Uh, have you ever had that day, right? You're picking up somebody and you forget the paraphernalia that's right next to them. So I'm you know, trying to be the dutiful husband. I was like, no worries. I'll, I'll go and, and grab the book bags. You know, it's about a 45-minute drive at this point because traffic and traffic patterns and everything else. Cliff is with me in the office, and I said, hey, you want to have a, our meeting on the road? And before he could answer, I said, great, let's go. So hour and a half with me. Well, wouldn't you know, 45 minutes drive, I plug it into my phone, and about 30 minutes into this drive, I forget what I'm driving to. I forget where I'm driving to. I look over at Cliff, I was like, do you want some chicken? Like, should we go get lunch right now? And so we detour, and all of a sudden I recognize, I'm like, wait a second, I gotta pick up the book bags. I gotta grab these book bags. So we detour back, I grab the book bags, like right as they're closing, the principal's ready to leave. She's just like, man, that is like right on. I was like, I'm so sorry. She forgot, I forgot, chicken was involved. I'm not sure how we're gonna get through this day. Have you ever had those seasons, right? Where one thing after another after another, you're so busy, you're so running around, the distractions are mounting, you forget even what you're doing. Christmas season can feel a lot like that, right? Christmas season can feel a lot where you know you should be excited about Jesus. You know you should be excited about the fact that he came into this world. But if you're honest, if you, you know, push pause for a second, you're kind of just running from one distraction to another. And this is what I'm going to address today. My hope this morning is to give you a moment to just push pause and let the distractions quiet and remember Jesus. That's my goal this morning, is for each of us to kind of let down the distractions and cast our eyes back on Jesus. Here's the big idea. God's design is to be delivered, not distracted. The season of Christmas is about the delivery of a dark people in a dark world that were broken beyond belief, and the only light that shone is Jesus. He's our deliverer. But if we're not careful, we'll live this season and we'll just live in the distractions. Where are you distracted today? What's taking your attention and casting your vision? We're going to be looking at the second chapter of Matthew. And what I'm going to do this morning is I'm going to look at responses to Jesus. 
how King Herod responded, how the scribes responded, and then I'm going to focus on three magi, what are known as the three wise men. And we're going to look at their response because their response, I believe, holds a lot of value for how we can deal with our distractions. And indeed, I think we're going to learn a great deal from them. Turn with me, Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. We're just going to be looking at the first 11 verses. That's it. Just kind of walking through that quickly this morning. Verse 1 says this. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and we've come to worship him. Um, this is setting the stage for our passage this morning, and the only thing I want you to think of right now is these three magi are not distracted. They're watching and they're waiting. They see that star and they're on the move. And now you're going to see the responses from two different types of people and see if you are familiar or relate to either of these responses. Verse 3, when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Herod, just to give you a little background on him, he was a king, but he wasn't king by birth. He was an Edomite, which meant he came from a different line. He was not from the line of the 12 tribes. He actually could trace his lineage to a man named Esau. <clears throat> and so here's the thing. He didn't have a legitimate claim to the throne through blood. And so he was always fearful that someone who did have a legitimate claim could come and usurp the throne. And therefore, he was very protective over his throne. He was very protective of his power. To the point where he would go on to kill three of his own sons. To make sure no one would usurp him. Fathers out there, you've probably thought about killing your son at a time, right? But actually going through with it. Three times. He's a murderous man. When he sees and hears that there's this king coming, he's distracted with fear. Fear grips his heart, and rather than looking at the Messiah, that is the answer of the prophecies, he is distracted by his fear. Now, I'm not suggesting we have murderers in here, <clears throat> but I am saying is that fear can grip our hearts in this season, can't it? Fear can sometimes be the thing where all of a sudden we're moving right along, Christmas season, holiday season, smack up against something fearful. We lose our job. Smack up against something fearful. Marriage is on the rocks. Smack up against something fearful. The blood work came back and it's not looking good. Smacked up against something fearful. We're reminded of how many of our children don't love Jesus. And all of a sudden now our fear is what's distracting us and taking our attention. Are you there today? Are you in a season where that distraction of fear is guiding your heart? I'll show you just briefly where I've been. I've had this moment right around Christmas season. A couple years ago, moving out here, trying to get this thing started, trying to move out and get this church off the ground. I was panicked and fear-stricken because I was trying to buy a house in the Phoenix market as the Phoenix market was doing this. It's like, what in the world? I was coming from Illinois. Our market was not doing this. <laughs> and I remember looking at a house and looking at the same house six months later and it had gone up 100000 And I was like, what in the world is going on out in Phoenix? I was fearful and fearful, and then the day came. The day came where my daughter, Mia, was climbing up our dresser, and the dresser fell. And I've shared the story before. The, the, the bottom drawer was out, and so when the dresser fell, it pivoted, and all of its weight cracked the bottom drawer, but it 
kept it, the drawer, so that Mia could crawl away. That moment, what I realized is I was fearing the wrong thing. I was fearing, how am I going to pay for this? I should have been fearing the God who just saved my child and trusting that he was going to make a way, and I did. In fact, after that moment, I said, I'm no longer fearful of how we're going to make it. I know we're going to make it because the Lord already provided in a way that I can't even explain. Where are you today where the fear is driving your heart? The fear is what's driving your heart, and it's distracting you from your deliverer. Maybe that's not you. Let's move on and see how the chiefs and the scribes respond, the chief priests. Verse 4, it says, Assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. Here's one to know. Hey, is there any legitimacy to this king? And they told him, yeah, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet. The prophet they have in mind is Micah. He wrote this 745 years before Christ was born. For 745 years he wrote this. O you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. The claim checks out. Scribes are like, yep, actually, it was prophesied of old. There's going to be a Messiah. This king's going to come from Bethlehem, and this time frame kind of works. But what's interesting to me is though they know all this, their actions wouldn't speak of the Messiah was coming. You'd think if they knew all this, they'd be interested in going, hey, let's meet this king. He could be coming on the scene. Instead, they respond with indifference. Have you ever been distracted by indifference? You're walking through the season of Christmas. You're doing the motions. And what's causing your heart to become indifferent is just simply getting through your to-do list. Well, I got to go to Costco, make sure it's not Friday night because it's crazy. Got to make sure the house is clean. I'm not sure how I'm going to do that with the kids constantly just puking in every room. Maybe that's just my house. How are we going to get things done? And then all of a sudden you get to the end and you're like, wait a second. I didn't have a single moment to actually focus on Christ. Because the distraction of indifference took over. Maybe it's not indifference. Maybe it's not fear. Maybe it's something else. Verse 7, Herod summoned the wise men secretly. He ascertained what time has the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem. He said, go, search diligently for the child. When you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. I've always read this passage, and the thing I focus on a lot is I'll say, Herod didn't want to worship Jesus. Herod wanted to murder Jesus. He just wanted to know when and where so he could send his hitmen in. But as I started reading this passage earlier in the week, it hit me, if he was that concerned, why didn't he go himself? If he was that concerned, why didn't he journey on down to Bethlehem and, and see with his own eyes, is there any kind of you know, legitimacy to this claim? And the only thing I could muster is that he was busy. I've got a kingdom to run. I've got contracts to make. I've got armies to work with. I'm busy. Have you ever been distracted by your busyness? Has busyness ever kept you from focusing on your deliverer? Has busyness ever kept you in this season from focusing on the reason behind Christmas, which is Christ? Has busyness kept you from engaging and being a part of the church? Has busyness kept you from coming consistently? If we're honest, busyness drives most of us, doesn't it? 
my hope today is not to throw more on you. My hope today is to invite you to not let your distractions be the thing that guides you. And here's why. Distractions of fear, indifference, and busyness, they promise things they can't deliver. And here's the promise. It goes something like this. Once I'm done with my fear, once I'm not as busy, once I'm not indifferent because I'm not overwhelmed, then I'll pursue Jesus because I'll be freed. Here's the issue with that. Once you've covered one distraction, they're like moles, five more appear. And you're thinking, no, I can control things in my life. Okay, but can, can you control your own heart? Because the, the distractions aren't coming from outside of you. They'll come from within you. Have you ever had moments at night where you're exhausted, but you, you somehow find the strength to flick the finger? And an hour later, you're still, don't lie. Come on. Big idea here. God's design is to be delivered, not distracted. Where are you looking at your distractions to deliver you? Distractions always promise delivery. They cannot fulfill it. Sometimes your distractions are not bad things, though. Let me give you an example. Here's a picture of three wonderful people. Well, two people and a dog. This one right here, just look at that face. It tells you so much about who she is. She's going to conquer the world. For good or for ill, I don't know yet. But she's going to conquer something. Mia is my joy. She's the most lovely person I've ever met in my life. And right in between these two is Gandalf. Because Lord of the Rings is the second best book ever written. Only second to the Bible. Gandalf came into our life about six months ago, right as we were grand opening this church. And here's how it went down. I've wanted a dog ever since we got married. My wife has not wanted a dog ever since we got married. We've been married almost 13 years, 13 years next month. She texted me, and she said, I think I found one. And I said, you don't change your mind, you buy it right now. And she said, Are you, no, no, we don't have anything. No, I was like, you buy it right now, we'll figure it out. She's like, nah. So she comes home, she, we start talking. I was like, go back, buy the dog, because you found one you like now. Go buy it, and we'll figure it out. So I start my search on Amazon, same-day delivery, get a crate in, get some puppy food in, get a toy in, and everything. I'm like over the moon on this. And they, day two happens. And that dog was howling the night before. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to train you. So I get the process of training going. And I realized very quickly, if you're a dog owner, you can probably sympathize with this. Dogs are the greatest distraction outside of kids. Dogs are the greatest distraction God's ever given a person. Because you love them, you look at them, you want to like pet them, and at the same time, they will drive you crazy with their demands. And this dog was driving me crazy. I was like, I can't deal with your nonsense plus the kids' nonsense plus my own nonsense. And about two weeks in, I looked at Melinda and I was like, I don't know what I'm saying right now, but I don't think we can keep this thing. And it breaks my heart because I, I've wanted a dog for years. But here's why. It was distracting me from spending time with my kids. And I have very limited time. And I recognize in that moment, now is not the season. 
But this dog was too good to send back to the store, so I called up a few friends. Now Gandalf is known as Odie, and he's in a loving community. Two parents that are just pampering him in ways that I never could. Sometimes your distraction is not a bad thing. It's just not the right season. And you'll allow that thing to kind of take ownership and lordship within your life, and Jesus gets the scraps. Sometimes your distractions are fear, indifference, busyness. Sometimes your distractions are good things, just not the right time. Now what I want to do is I want to look at the Magi, and I want to see how they respond to Jesus, because they're going to give us some insight. Verse 9 says this, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. Miracle of miracles, that same star that, that prompted them to move. That same star that was getting them over the mountains and through the terrain. They likely came somewhere from the east, modern day Iraq, Iran. So they had to journey by camel through desert and rivers to make their way here. And then they see the star. In verse 10, when they saw that star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. Here's what I want you to catch. These magi were not distracted. These magi were not distracted by fear. They weren't distracted by indifference. They weren't distracted by busyness. They were focused and dogged in the pursuit of their deliverer. They wanted to meet the king. They wanted to worship the king. And they weren't going to let anything get in the way of finding who this king was. Let me ask you, Flatiron, is that how you approach Jesus? Are you dogged? Are you focused? Or are you distracted? Here's one way you can tell. Take a look at verse 11. Going into the house, they saw the child with, his, with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. When is the last time, believer, you worshipped, fell down and worshipped Jesus? Do you make time for it? Or do you get to the end of your day, pull open the Bible, make it through a verse, drool when sleep comes over you? Or maybe you just don't even get to the Bible. Here's the thing. So many of us, and I know it because I'm, I experience it too, the busyness and distractions and fears, they're all popping around us. And if we're not careful, those will be the things that start driving us, not Jesus. Men and women who live their life constantly distracted will get to the end of their life constantly distracted. They'll look back on their life, and here's what they'll say. I wish I would have spent more time with the things that were important and less time worrying about things I couldn't control. Here's the other thing I'm noticing from this section of scripture. As they're opening their treasures, they're offering them gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. Look who's not there. Herod, king of Israel, the one who should have been heralding the coming Messiah, the one who should have known better than any other Israelite that this king was going to come and he was going to deliver his people. Herod's not there. He's not there at all. He's too busy. He's too fearful. He wants to murder Jesus. He doesn't want to worship Jesus. You know who else is not there? Scribes and Pharisees. 
They knew the prophets. They knew the story. They understood a Messiah was coming. They're not there. The three people represented in this text, it's three magi from a different nation. That's who's worshiping Jesus. That's who's come down and has bowed down before him. And here's what I want you to take away from this. So many of us, we treat Jesus and Christmas and Easter like the Magi or like the, the, the Herod and the scribes. We come, we check it off, and we think that's enough because we know it. But we don't know him. And how do I know? Because for those who know him, your response is like verse 11. You can't help but come and worship before him. Yeah, you may get distracted from time to time, but there's a drive that pushes you back to worship King Jesus, to be around his people, to be in his community. I think far too many men and women think they have something with God, not recognizing does God not know them. It wasn't the king of Israel or the scribes of Israel who worshipped. It was three magi the most unlikely of characters. Where are you today? Coming in, busy and distracted. Where are you today? Maybe you are a believer and you just need to once again rest in the finished work of Jesus. Let him wash over the fear and indifference and busyness. But for some of you, you haven't met King Jesus yet. You know the stories, you've grown up going to church, you've been in pews before, you've sang the songs, and it's all here, but it doesn't guide this. And I want you to meet him. I don't want you to stand on the outskirts like the scribes and the Pharisees or the king. But I want you to move forward in faith like the Magi. So I'm going to give us the time to pray and respond. And then afterwards, I'll go through my challenges. Bow your head with me. Dear Lord, I thank you for the three wise men, these three magi who years ago weren't distracted and when they saw that star, they followed it and pursued. And even as they met the various men who, who were distracted by fear or indifference or busyness, they continued the course of faith until they found you. They delivered King Jesus. Lord, for those in this household who are believers and just simply need to be encouraged, may today reawaken a remembrance of you. May today be the moment they bow before you and worship, knowing that light has come into darkness, that the story of sadness is starting to be undone by you. May they be encouraged in their faith. And may you give them favor. For those in here who know you, but they don't know you. They understand the Christmas story, but if they're honest, they're like the scribes. They understand it, but they haven't walked close to you. Father, now, right now, would they come not with their resume, but in repentance. Not with the list of all the things they do for you, but trusting in the work you've done on their behalf. Christ, we acknowledge you came into this world perfect, sinless, spotless, 
born as a babe, helpless in the manger. That you lived the life we couldn't live, that you died the death that we deserve, that you rose again in three days, conquering death in the grave. That by your blood, we alone are made right with God. For those who are struggling today to know and trust, Lord, give them faith and favor to do so no longer on their own works, to no longer in their own mind, to no longer on their own strength, believe they're right with you, but to know based on Christ's work on their behalf, he is now Lord and King of their life. Would you do that today, Father? And friend, for those who are trusting for the first time, would you, by faith, believe in him, the name of Jesus, King Jesus, born in a manger, helpless, that his blood covers you? You no longer have to walk in indifference. You no longer have to walk in fear. You no longer have to walk with distractions guiding you. But by faith, you can be led by the one who made you. I ask this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. If you met Jesus today, which we've had several who have, but don't just walk out of here. Don't just think, I'm just going to do this project on my own. I'm glad I got this thing, and now I'm going to go. No, join in the community of Christ. Let us take those steps of faith with you. Let us walk with you. Let us carry that burden together with you. You're thinking, I don't even know how to do that. The first thing is have a conversation. Right after service, we're going to have people up here to pray with. Go and talk with them and share the good news. You're thinking that's weird. Not really. No one's watching. No one cares. But Jesus is. If he's purposed that moment, he'll use that moment. He'll use that first act of obedience to begin to put favor in your life. Here's my challenges. First challenge is I'd like you to read Isaiah 9, 6 through 7 tomorrow. Tomorrow's Christmas. So as you're celebrating it with your family, as you're celebrating it alone, as you're celebrating it, however manner you're celebrating it, I'd like you to read this. And be reminded of these words. It reads like this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it, to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. And as those words carry over your head and your heart, let them sink deeply into you. That the king has come. That a world that was shrouded in darkness now has light. That we no longer have to live from distraction to distraction to distraction, but we can actually trust and live in our deliverer. And let him purpose your life. Let him guide and direct. Oh, he'll do things with you you've never expected. They'll take you on journeys you never could dream of. A year ago today, we were gathering as a church. It was 50 people. Half of them were kids. And the other half were just people flying in as family. That was a year ago. We've had about as many baptisms as we had people at that service. And if you think it's because there's some magical formula that people sprinkle over churches, it's called Jesus. Him alone. And his Holy Spirit working in and through broken men and women. That's always what he does. 
And think about this. The distraction the enemy was giving me, worried about how I'm going to afford a home. When God already knew the answer, I just had to walk forward. Would you walk forward today and declare Jesus as your king? And here's the second challenge. I've got a card for you. You're like, I'm sick of cards, Brian. Too bad. I like them. They're good for your heart. We're moving. Thinking, why are we moving? We just got here six months ago. We like to move every five months. Hopefully that stops this year. I'll have another move in me. Unless the Lord wants to do it. The reason we're moving is we've got partnerships at Queen Creek that are going to allow us to be there for a long term. Signing a contract that allows us to go year to year versus month to month. But more importantly than this, I think he's opening the door there for his purpose and his power for the gospel to reach more people. But I want you to come with us. I want you to stake the flag in the ground of Flatiron and say, this is my home, this is my church. I'm going to walk with this community, imperfect though they may be, problems though they may be. You may look around and think, I changed this, 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 and this, and this. Great, I would too. You might be the solution to that. But you're never going to fix it on the sidelines. Jump in. Let's walk this thing together. Stand and sing as we respond to Jesus.